Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. Sometimes the expression, what a week, just doesn't cover it. And this week of leaks, I mean, I I can joke about it from now until the end of time, but you understand that I take this more than seriously, these documents. And some people have asked, you weren't this upset with Trump? That is absolutely untrue. But with Trump, I had a second conversation, which was the raid. Based on everything we've been told, the raid was completely unnecessary. It was obscene. You waited until he wasn't there because you thought it would cause less of a disturbance. There'd be less media attention. There was simply no need to raid his house at all in any way. Anybody who says otherwise is out of their head. What they liked is that it happened to Trump. They loved that it happened to Trump. They adore it. The desire to crush, to ruin. I mean, that's what moves these people. Me, I'm much more interested in the future of the nation. And this idea of rule of law versus rule of man. When you watch all of these people, when you watch every single one of them going on and on and on and on about how Biden, oh, it was just a mistake, it was just an oopsie, it was no big deal. They don't believe in the rule of law. They believe in the rule of man. Their guy, that's the one you shouldn't go after. But the other guy, that's the guy you should absolutely, positively, wantonly destroy. I don't want to be okay with that. I'm not going to be okay with that. As I have been reminding people, having the classified documents is the crime. Not that it's an oopsie, it's an accident, he's the guy you like. Not that he notified his lawyers or they contacted the archives or the DOJ. Having the documents is the crime. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today, it's good to be with you. But I made a promise that I would... Try my best to sum up the insanity of Joe Biden's week each and every week. And this week, there were some doozies. Harris-Biden administration. You have a problem figuring out whether you're for me or Trump, and you ain't black. Got hairy legs that turn that 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 turn uh, um, blonde in the sun. We hold these truths to be self-evident. All men and women created by the go. You know the you know the thing. Say it ain't so, Joe. I was trying to wrap up his week, and I I I don't know if I was successful. I mean, I have got an absolute crap ton of clips. But I don't know if I got uh, uh, everything. 
I don't know if I got it all, but but this is what I have. This is what I have. Ridiculous Biden nonsense. Trying my best. And the first one was uh, those inflation numbers. Those inflation numbers that show us inflation hasn't gone anywhere. And then Joe Biden's like, oh, good news. And as inflation is coming down, take-home pay for workers is going up. Workers' wages are higher now than they were seven months ago, adjusted for inflation. The increase in wages has absolutely not kept up with inflation. And inflation is not going down to a point where people feel like they've got more in their paycheck. After all, eggs are $3.50 a dozen. Eggs are three fifty a dozen. As somebody pointed out to me, well, you know you had a lot of avian bird flu, killed a lot of chickens, and that could raise the prices. Well, yes, that could raise prices when you don't have a, uh, as much of something, supply and demand being very real. That's a supply chain issue. But the diesel prices and the shipping costs, that's the story. All of that inflationary pressures caused by this administration. So that was... Uh, that, that's where I, I started. And then, of course, there was Joe Biden on the border. Our Republican friends and some few Democrats are very critical of what's going on on the border, but yet refuse to even look at the detailed document I submitted for the Congress to consider to reform the process completely. See out of his head. Republicans are critical and the border is their fault. The border problem is the fault of Joe Biden. He's the guy in charge. They made this claim that they were going to rework the system. They were going to make the system better. The Trump broke the system and they had to rework the system. And now, after two years, it's Republicans' faults. That's just... That is just absolutely precious. But, of course, the big stuff goes back to him being outraged that Donald Trump could be so irresponsible to have classified documents. When you saw the photograph of the top secret documents laid out on the floor at Mar-a-Lago, what did you think to yourself looking at that image? How that could possibly happen. How one, anyone could be that irresponsible. That was Joe Biden less than six months ago. 60 minutes. Precious. Which means, especially when he had classified documents in his home, he either didn't know he had them in the garage, or, as I'm telling you, I believe it, he forgot. I mean, how else did they get there? Someone put them in a box. The box ended up in the garage. The box ended up in the garage. You know, my parents tell a story that when they moved to New Jersey, a lot of boxes that came with them, and they unpacked this, and they unpacked that. Some things they didn't get to. When they finally sold that house in New Jersey, twenty some years later, they actually came across boxes that were never opened from the original move. 20 years, those boxes were somewhere, and they were like in a crawl space. My mother threw them away. She never opened them, which I say still to this day is the most insane thing my mother has ever done. How could you not open them? It's a time capsule. She said, the idea I could have had something I needed 
or something I missed, something I wanted, and had been there the whole time and I replaced it, was more than I could take. I threw them away. So it's possible a box could end up somewhere and you forget about it. My mother didn't have any classified documents. Maybe she had a unique recipe for Kugel. Good Lord. But of course, I think the best thing of the day didn't come from Biden. It came from somebody trying to defend Biden. Representative Hank Johnson, who once said if you put too many uh, soldiers on the island of Guam, it could capsize. True story. He said it. He has got all the conspiracy theories. Things can be planted. Um, things, things can be planted in places uh, and then discovered conveniently. That may be what has occurred here. I'm not ruling that out. You see, none of this is Joe Biden's fault. <laughs> Those Republicans planted it on Joe Biden. That's what happened. The desperation here. Just remarkable. No shame. Hank Johnson, Representative Johnson, is saying this with no shame. But why should he have shame? Now, the people of Georgia who vote for him, they should have some freaking shame. Unreal. Unreal week of Joe Biden. Unreal week of his team. Special, special group of people. I didn't even get to Vice President Harris talking about keeping the border secure the border by many people's account is not secure by border patrol agents who are there telling the media they just don't believe it is do you believe the border is secure now i will tell you something one of our highest priorities is to ensure that we have a secure border sure it is sure it is keep it here guys i'm tony katz i argue that the indiana pacers are an exciting team I argue that they're a good team. I argue that that they are playoff bound. They can be. The only thing stopping them is them. All right, maybe some injuries uh, along uh, the, the way. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today, good to be with you. But the opportunities are all there. They are all absolutely there, and I only hope they take advantage of it. But here we're watching what the Pacers are doing in the second half of the season. Then we're watching IU basketball just totally, totally implode. And and then there's well, there's the playoffs. Uh, playoffs. There's, <laughs> I don't do impressions. That's not bad. The NFL playoffs are happening, uh, going on. JMV joins us right now from 93.5, 107.5, The Fan. And JMV... Let's start. Let's start with the Pacers. Uh, I would argue that this is an exciting team. This is a fun team to watch. They've built the excitement up. They've been better than people thought. Uh, Some of these uh, new players in, rookies in, just doing excellent work. But is this a team that can close out a season and get itself to the playoffs? Uh, this is a team right now that absolutely could do that. Now, the problem is they hit a bit of a snag injury-wise because Tyree Talbotton, uh, if you watch that the other night, third quarter goes down to Madison Square Garden and they're lost to the Knicks. And yesterday it was reported that he has a sprained elbow and a knee bruise, which will require two weeks and then evaluation, and they're still checking the scans on it. Now, on the surface, Tony, it seemed like that this was probably better news than at least what Pacer fans have heard in the past because everybody's always a little bit shy to want to hear about it. 
because you remember Paul George or remember Victor Oladipo. It always seems like with the Pacers, it's incredibly bad news injury-wise. But this is a snag, not only when it comes to thinking about, I guess, projecting out Tony a little bit more long-term with this Pacer team playoff-wise, and also probably a bit of a snag because I think we all thought that Tyrese Halliburton had a legitimate opportunity to be an NBA All-Star, and you kind of wonder if maybe that could be in jeopardy because of what took place at Madison Square Garden the other night. We'll have to see. Uh, it's it's possible. I do know that his impact has been immediate uh, for for sure. But this is a conversation about depth. Also, there's been a Miles Turner uh, a conversation about wh- where he is. Uh, where does the where does the depth where is it lacking, and how is the, how do you make up for that as we head down this second half of the season? Well, I'm, I'm not going to say that there's a, a silver lining here because losing a, a guy like that there isn't, but. They do have depth in the backcourt, Tony. They do have depth in the backcourt, and we'll see what they end up doing here. Uh, a lot of people have advocated maybe T.J. McConnell taking over the starting role and you know playing out front. I think the problem you have there is Rick Carlisle really loves T.J. McConnell coming off the bench and you know giving you just incredible amount of energy. So I would bet he probably stays right there. But I mean, you have the opportunity to pick and choose. You know, Andrew Nimhart probably will take over to be the role as uh, he's starting anyway, but at least the role is the starter for Halliburton, maybe check in with you know, Duarte into the starting lineup, but what I'm saying is they do have options. Uh, if there's going to be a place where you're going to find an injury, that backcourt for the Pacers would be the spot because they do have some depth there. And McConnell's absolutely fantastic coming off the bench. Talking to JMV, 93.5, The Fan in Indianapolis. Move it over to IU where it has been the loss against Iowa, the loss against Northwestern, the loss against Penn State, and it was an ugly loss against uh, Penn State as they now head into Wisconsin uh, this weekend. And then Illinois following that up, you're the guy who said this is a team that has to get ready to really handle the meat of the schedule against other Big Ten teams. Uh, So far, not so good. No, now they're the team that has to handle not absolutely getting flushed out of the toilet because that's the way that they're looking right now. Somebody asked me the other night, Tony, you know, what are the IU problems? And I gave you a three-prong approach here. A, they can't guard you. They can't guard me. They can't guard anybody. And it's beyond the fact that they can't guard anybody. It's because they don't have a great deal, Tony, of willingness to want to guard anybody. So that's problematic. They have two dudes out there, much like me, two dudes with three names is what they have in Jalen Hood, Shafino, and Trace Jackson Davis, and really nobody else has stepped up. Granted, you're without Race Thompson, you're without Xavier Johnson, but the team still shouldn't look like they did the other night in State College against Penn State. Still shouldn't look at home like they did on Sunday afternoon against Northwestern. This is still on them. So they don't have the dudes. They don't have the willingness or the effort to play defense. And then their coach looks like, their bench staff looks like they have zero answers for any of this. So, yeah, you're not preparing now for the meat of the season. You're preparing not to go ahead and eliminate yourself and have a horrific season right now. That's what should be the major focus when Wisconsin is in Bloomington coming up tomorrow. Um 
your your take? Uh, this team have enough to rally back? I mean, when you take a look at that no, Iowa game, they no. lose by two. You take a look at the Northwestern game, they lose by one. It's the Penn State game that's really a blowout, and that could have just been flat-out exhaustion at that stage of the game. Um, they're back at home for, for this one. This, this doesn't bring a rallying cry against Wisconsin? Well, I mean, that's what you'll look for. And here's, I think, the one positive for IU fans that are listening right now is that crowd will give them a little bit of juice tomorrow and should, and we'll see if they play off of it. But, I mean, they, they were juiceless against Northwestern, listless at the beginning, and that's the issue. Defensively, it looks like they have zero answers. I'll give you a couple of examples. They let Northwestern get off the mark, shooting the three with little to no resistance on Sunday, and that's really what propelled Northwestern to the win. I mean, uh, Trey Galloway threw in that half quarter at the end to make the margin closer than it actually was. But, you know, that's what started and the downfall began. And with Penn State, one of the better three-point shooting teams in the Big Ten, that's what they do. If you watch the start of that game, they got to step in to everything. These, for guys like this at that level, are layups. And that is what is it's tough for me to understand. Either they don't have the effort to understand what should be in the defensive game plan or they aren't getting coached up to do that. So those are two major questions. If you don't fix this defensively, really, I don't care what you do offensively. You're not going to give yourself a chance. Only got about a minute left with you, JMV. I was going to go over uh, NFL playoffs, but I don't think I actually care. What the hell is going on? Ballard is still on this team. He takes the hit. It's all my fault. And all of a sudden, everyone's like, all right, he took responsibility. He can stay. He can stay? I'm telling you, hey, he is uh, he's something, right? He's, if nothing else, he may not be able to find a quarterback and win one playoff game in six years, but he's going to talk to you a good game. Tony, you could not be more accurate. What Ballard said on Tuesday at that press conference at the beginning is the only thing he could say. That is it. And I'm not going to give him credit for saying the only thing he could say, which, by the way, is the absolute truth. He has failed, and it's not just been in this past season. It was, for the most part, in those first six years. I'm holding out hope here, Tony. I'm holding out hope. I'm holding out hope that Jim Harbaugh is right around the corner and the interest is there with both parties, and I'm holding out hope that they trade up and they're going to have the pick of whatever quarterback that they want in the spring draft. I'm holding out hope. No you do that. I'm holding out hope. I'm more convinced than ever that this is the duo, Ballard Saturday, taking us into the future. Yeah. I'm, well, I'm, I'm convinced. No, 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 no. You're not, you're not wrong with your theory. Because oh, I know I'm not way, wrong. That's that, the problem. That the way, if if anybody should be wrong right now, it should be me. <laughs> I should be the guy who's totally out of his head. I'm very close to reality. Yes, well, this, is, this just goes to show you, nothing against you, Tony. You know how much I like you. This goes to show you how messed up this situation is. I wholeheartedly agree. I could not be- agree more wholeheartedly enough. Just couldn't do it. JMV and 93.5107.5 The Fan. I appreciate you taking uh, the time. Uh, you know that I'm going to end up being right. You know, I mean, it, it's stunning to me. It's stunning to me that Ballard can just give this I'm responsible speech and it's going to mollify. Now, I will admit that my issues with Ballard also have to do with his wokeness within uh, the, the game. 
right? He talks about guns. He talks about Black Lives Matter. Does he allow anybody to have a different opinion? Does he even think the different opinion exists? I want to hear him talk football. I don't want to hear him talk anything else. I'm not saying he can't. It's just that you got to accept what comes with it. And he doesn't seem like a guy who accepts what comes with it. That bothers me. On the football level, it's a lot of losing. Shouldn't we note? I think we should note that it's a tremendous amount of losing. Uh, I fear that I'm going to be right about the Colts. Keep it here. I'm Tony Katz. Three locations. I mean, that's just a lot. Classified information in three locations. How does one defend against such a thing? How do you defend it politically? And how do you defend against it legally? Especially when you're Joe Biden. Sure, you're the president now, but you were only the vice president then with no authority at all to declassify anything. What comes next? And based on the timeline, what other documents are out there that Biden has in some location that we don't know about? Tony Katz, so good to be with you. William Jacobson joins us right now. Cornell Law Professor, the mind behind LegalInsurrection.com. Before we get into the appointment of the special prosecutor, the special counsel, um, are there more legal ramifications now with having three distinct locations discovered, or at least that we know about right now, with these classified documents in them? Well, I think there are because one of Biden's defenses was going to be he didn't know they were there. And the statute that criminalizes the removal and keeping of classified information requires knowing conduct. So he'll say, I didn't know. But that becomes a lot less tenable once it's in three places. And it obviously things were moved around multiple times. How did they get to that location? The the how do they get to that location is is absolutely a big one. And the idea that Joe Biden would say they're in a locked garage. You're a lawyer. You hear your client say, well, they were in a locked garage. Are you cringing at that moment? Yeah, well, he should say nothing. OK, he really should say whatever people give him on his sheet of paper. Um, uh, and so it was the Fox News reporter Um, kind of baited him into that response by saying, you know, it's near your Corvette. You you know, what are you thinking? And Biden couldn't resist. You know, and I think the bigger question, though, is not what else does Joe Biden have, but what did he formerly have that he no longer has? Is this the universe of documents he removed when he left the vice presidency, or is this just what's left? So I think that's really the bigger question. With Trump, there doesn't seem to be any dispute. I I haven't even heard leaks to the uh, press from the feds that Trump lost documents or documents that, you know, were at Mar-a-Lago went missing. Uh, With Biden, because he's kind of denying knowledge of anything and because it's in multiple locations and because things have been moved at least multiple times because they didn't go directly to his UPenn office from the White House or from the vice president's house because he didn't go directly there. I think there was a year gap. So they were someplace else. What did he formally have that he no longer has? That's, I think, the big question. And that's something that the feds 
and this new special counsel needs to be focusing on is where what did he remove and where are they now? Not what does he still have? Talking to William Jacobson, Cornell Law Professor, the mind behind LegalInsurrection.com. I, I appreciate you, you making that statement. My mind went in a different direction. We have seen over the last two years that while the logs are kept of visitors at the White House, the logs are not kept or at least made public of the visitors to his homes in Delaware. So now there's a question of who has been visiting the house and where have they been allowed to wander and what may, is it possible they have had access to? Does this open up for the special counsel or others to say we need the logs from the Secret Service made public who has been visiting you at your homes in Delaware? Well, I don't know what logs they would have kept before he became president. So in that that time gap, that multi-year time gap between him leaving the vice presidency and becoming president, I don't know if the Secret Service keeps logs of who visits a former vice president. So I don't know that there are such logs or not. Uh, that's, some, that's just a fact matter that I don't think has been publicly disclosed. But I think another question is, did Hunter have access to them? Because we know he would sell anything to the Chinese and the Ukrainians. So I think there's a real fear here, a real legitimate concern that Hunter may have monetized some of these documents. Again, we need the facts on that. But given his history of essentially selling his father's office for influence, it's not inconceivable that he sold some of these documents or at least dangled them in front of potential donors. Now, what's things he had access to what people are going to do, sir? Is they're going to say, William Jacobson, you're just attacking Hunter Biden. That's just political. What a ridiculous thing to say. Is there a legal side to this where you would now claim, oh, no, 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 no. Listen here. Well, I think it's a factual matter. It's a matter for investigation. Who had access to them? Did Hunter Biden have access to them? It's not a question. I've not said he did sell them. All I've said is that I think the feds need to look into that, given his history of striking deals with foreign, at least in the case of China, hostile foreign entities, that if he had access to these classified documents, I think it's a valid uh, path of inquiry to determine whether he had access and if he did, what he did with that access. So I think that's all valid. It's not a matter of speculation. It's simply this is a path that federal uh, prosecutors and investigators need to pursue. I don't disagree in the slightest. Talking to William Jacobson, Cornell Law Professor, the mind behind LegalInsurrection.com, you watched the press conference yesterday. It wasn't a press conference. It was a statement because Merrick Garland talks and then runs where he announced that there will be a special counsel. That special counsel is Robert Hur, H-U-R. What did... Um, Garland say, Merrick Garland, the attorney general say that for you, uh, kind of a piqued your interest, like that's an interesting way to word that. Or was this as perfectly said to create distance as possible? Well, I think the most important thing that he said uh, is when he was quoting the statute or paraphrasing the statute um, that for the appointment of special counsel that the Department of Justice and I think he said will, I think that's perhaps what the statute or the guidelines say, uh, appoint a special counsel. 
where there is evidence of criminality, where there's evidence of criminal conduct. Again, I'm paraphrasing what he said, but the predicate to appointing a special counsel is that there is evidence of potential criminality. That's hugely significant. That means the Department of Justice has looked at this and has essentially dismissed all of the mainstream media excusing for Biden, which is what he didn't know. There's nothing criminal about it, blah, blah, blah. Well, the Department of Justice has made a determination that there is potential criminality there. And that's, I think, hugely significant. I haven't seen you know, many media outlets or really any media outlets focusing on that specific thing. But that finding by the Department of Justice is hugely important. And that's the same finding that they made with regard to Trump, that there was a potential of criminality there um, and that there was a conflict of interest. And therefore, you needed a, a conflict of interest with the Department of Justice handling it. And therefore, you needed a special counsel. So this is more than just, hey, let's get a new lawyer in here who's not part of the department. This is let's get a new lawyer in here because the department really shouldn't be handling it. And there is evidence of potential criminality. And so the the just in the surface, the appointing of a special counsel signals to you and signals to everyone that there is a seriousness here. That's right. Uh, and I think that's, you know, uh, something he signaled uh, doesn't mean they've concluded there was criminal conduct, but there is the possibility of it. And that, I think, is a huge finding. And it really wipes clean about 99 percent of MSNBC uh, uh, opinion commentary on this, which is just writing it off as no big deal. Not like Trump. Who cares? He's. You know, when I first wrote about this, I said they're going to soon use the Uncle Leo defense. If you remember that scene from Seinfeld where Uncle Leo uh, says, you know, gets caught shoplifting and he says, I'm old, I'm forgetful. I thought I paid for it. Old people get confused. Uh, I mean, I think that's what it's going to be. Joe Biden didn't really know what was going on. All the things they scoffed at when Trump said, well, I didn't pack the boxes. They're now going to that's going to be Joe Biden's media defense. He didn't pack the boxes. He didn't put them in a truck. He didn't move them. He didn't know that becomes very untenable, given it's in three locations. Um, It's a little confusing uh, because it appears to be really two locations within his residence, the garage and his personal office. And so that becomes very untenable. Before I, I let you go, sir, you brought up Hunter Biden, and um, I, I think there's a conversation how many times Hunter Biden has visited uh, the homes uh, there the, uh, of his, his father. Are we discussing the idea that once you see three locations, every Biden family member should have their house checked because Lord only knows? I mean, I, I'm not. I, I asked why wasn't Biden's homes checked when this first started. Now you got to ask yourself, well, where else are these things? Like, is there a a moment of natural stop to that kind of investigation? Are we about to see Hunter's home checked and his daughter's homes checked and other people's homes checked? Uh, I don't know how far it will go. Any location that uh, they believe the documents may have gone to, they should be checking. Um, You know, I think so. But I don't know how far they'll go when it came to Mar-a-Lago. Uh, they knew the documents were there and there was, you know, a dispute as to whether Trump had to give them back and whether he had given back all of the documents. And so they went and they got a search warrant. So 
I think that uh, they would have to have some evidence that a document was at a location more than that somebody's related to Joe Biden. So I think certainly any place, you know, Hunter has been is worth checking. Uh, Hunter's, I don't know if he lives with his parents or where he lives, but I, I think those are all legitimate places. But whether, you know, there is uh, needs to be a search of every Biden family residence, I, I don't see that happening merely because they're related to him. William Jacobson, Cornell Law Professor, the mind behind LegalInsurrection.com. I appreciate you taking the time to be with us. And Lord only knows what we're going to learn over the weekend about this. And I think that timeline matters. The one of, I mean, there, there are the legal aspects to this, of course, but let's take a look at one of the other ones. This White House knew and didn't tell us. The Justice Department knew and didn't tell us. The archives knew and didn't tell us. They didn't tell us. That's part of this story. I have got much more to get to. Keep it right here, everybody. I'm Tony Katz. There are going to be, and there are, a million thoughts on Joe Biden and these classified documents. And who knows what we're going to learn about next. Because it's that timeline, as I was discussing, that's, that's most damning. How much information was known and not shared with us for months and how much time the Biden team had to clear things up before any level of research, meaning investigation, meaning sifting through Joe Biden's garage, maybe having to pull out the Corvette. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. They had opportunities and those opportunities Those opportunities are frustrating because those opportunities would never be presented to you, me, and we. There's a question of whether or not feet were dragged. But let's leave that to the side. Let's ask ourselves the larger scale question. Who defends this? Who defends Joe Biden having classified documents in at least three spots? The answer is somebody who doesn't believe in the republic. If you want to argue that people were going to defend Biden from having them in one spot, okay, they defended Trump. I think it's wrong to have classified documents if indeed they're classified and you're not supposed to have them. In places, you're not supposed to have them. But defending three, it's not an oopsie. It's not an oh well. It's not a no big deal. It's massive. I would argue that the reason they put out this, this messaging so quickly of, oh, it was just a mistake, it was inadvertent, it's not like what Trump did. What Trump did was worse. That way, no matter what was found, you've already said it. Yeah, well, Trump did was worse, and oh, it was just a mistake. Inadvertent on the part of President Biden. I don't want to hear about inadvertent. And I don't want to hear any kind of screaming and yelling and voices from on high and those people who are going to defend Joe Biden on this. Joe Biden didn't know he had classified documents and he didn't know the locations that he didn't have them, except he did have them. And I consider that to be more dangerous than anything else. Three locations of classified documents. Let me say it now so it gets said. I hear about Hunter Biden having access to these things. 
And although people will be calling for it now, it might take that for me, although maybe I should be at it now, you're going to hear the conversation of impeachment in a lot of loud voices. And those voices ain't going to be wrong. Wrong is wrong. And dangerous is dangerous. Joe Biden didn't endanger the country. Not once, not twice, but thrice. Why would anybody defend such a thing? Find everything, TonyCats.locals.com. I'll catch you on Monday, everyone. Take care.